Ushers, if you'll come forward, we're going to receive today's fire safety offering. We're seeing tremendous progress with that offering. We will have a fresh update for you next week. If you look at the Calvary Orlando app and you click on fire safety, there is a running total that kind of keeps going. We need to catch up with a couple weeks worth of offerings there, but God is moving that mountain. The reason we want to celebrate it happening here is because God uses these facilities to change lives with our ministries that go on with inside them. The buildings by themselves don't do much, but when God's people use those facilities for kingdom work, he does a lot and he changes the world. And so the fire safety program is a big opportunity you have right now to partner with us as we're updating our fire safety uh, campus wide. It's about an $800,000 project and God is meeting that need. So let's go ahead and pray and whatever God tells you to do in the fire safety offering, go ahead and just be faithful to do that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now we come to you. We are so thankful for all the ministry, all the work that you do through these wonderful facilities and tools that you've given us. Lord, we thank you that you keep them updated, you keep them working well. We desire people to be safe and we desire to be good stewards of what you've given us. So we present these offerings to you. We thank you for moving the mountain and meeting that need and we give you all the glory. We give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do you have your Bibles today? And you have your notebooks? Today we're gonna start off our Home for Christmas messages with home with the Lord. Home with the Lord. As the last few weeks have unfolded, I've had the opportunity to do a number of funerals over the course of ministry of my life. I've done quite a few funerals. I've done funerals for the very, very elderly and old. I've done the funerals for babies. I've done funerals for teenagers. I've done funerals for suicide. I've done funerals for sudden car accidents. I've seen it all and done funerals of all kinds and all shapes. And as we're walking into a season of Christmas. And I know that typically we have services where they're really warm and they're really fuzzy and they're all these things. I really felt challenged of the Lord to have this conversation first as we start the home for the holidays, home for Christmas kind of theme. We need to go back and remember and be grateful and realize that Jesus is the savior of the world. Let's start there as we go into this season of Christmas. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Luke chapter two. The book of Luke chapter two, verse eight. Luke chapter two, verse eight. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Verse 11, the Savior, say Savior. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly strips of cloth lying in a manger. At the center of Christmas is the celebration of a savior. He's a savior from what? He's a savior from sin. He's a savior from Satan, amen. He's a savior from hell and an eternity separated from God. But he's also the savior unto some things. He's the savior unto God's family. You are made a child of God. 
He is a savior into the kingdom of God. You have stepped out of the kingdom of darkness and you've been placed into the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light. That's something to get excited about. Amen. You have been saved into power and authority. Authority over sin, authority over your old life and your old self, authority over the devil. And you've been saved into eternal life. As I said, today I want to talk to you about being home with the Lord and what that means. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. The Lord wants you to know that you have eternal life. He doesn't want anyone in this room wondering, second-guessing, afraid of death. See, Christians want to live because we have purpose and mission to accomplish, not because we're afraid of eternity. We are not afraid to stand before the Lord. That's the finish line. Amen? That's a great celebration. That's what we're working for. Actually, we have eternity in our hearts, and we know that this life is temporal, and we're actually working for that other side laying up treasure, helping as many people as possible attain eternal life. Eternity. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. They have already passed from death to life. You will never be condemned for your sins. You've already passed from death to life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be home with the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Home with the Lord. I want us to remember that today. As we're celebrating Christmas and why do we put up all the decorations? Why do we go through the traditions? Why do we talk about the manger? Why do we talk about you know, the wise men, why do we do this? It's not just about the presents. It's not just about the hot chocolate and the cookies. The reason this night was so significant, the reason this season is so significant is because the savior of the world was born. And he saved us from some stuff. Sometimes we just give him the title. Oh, he's the savior. The savior of what? If you don't know what he's the savior of, you can't value it. He's the savior from sin. He's the savior from the devil. He's the savior from your fallen self. But he's the savior into the kingdom. He's the savior into power and authority. And he's the savior into eternal life. And if that eternal life piece didn't exist, I wonder if all the other things would have as much value. Great, I have authority over the devil, but I'm still gonna die. And do what? Go to hell, disappear from the earth as if I never existed. You could have, he's the savior from, you know, darkness, but yet you're still going to die and turn into nothing. No, no. The savior into eternal life is a big deal. Eternal life that is promised is a big deal. Amen. And so this Christmas, when we celebrate together and we're gathering around with our families, one of the wonderful blessings is that when this life passes on, we still get to gather with our families. We still get to be with the ones that went on before us. This concept, this idea, you say, Pastor Kevin, I came for a Christmas service and there's a casket on the stage. Did you know this? 
I saw this in one of the funerals I did recently and I just felt of the Lord to start our season and our series off with the promise of eternal life. It's not about the presence, it's not about the cookies, it's not about just the traditions and memories. It's about the promise that when this life is over, you'll go on. Amen, you will go on. And not only just go on, we'll go on into the full version of what God always intended for us. Because this life that we wanna hold on to so badly, this life that we wanna squeak out as many years as possible, is just a fallen version. We want to hold on to something that's actually broken. We want to hold on to something that's actually nothing like God intended it to be. Full of suffering, full of pain, full of sickness. But the life we will receive on the other side is the full version that has been created out of the mind and heart and love of God. That's awesome. That is awesome. Amen. And I want to remind us that when we pass from this life to the next, it's being brought home with the Lord, amen? He is our home, he is our refuge, he is, our, he is the place we wanna go. That whole concept of I wanna go home, I wanna be home. Imagine, some of you maybe didn't grow up in the best of homes, but if you did grow up in a loving home, there's this love in the holidays of I wanna go home. I just wanna be home. And even if you weren't brought up in the best home, God's house is the best home. The Father's house is the best home. I wanna to talk to you about some of these concepts in going home, being with the Lord. You know, thinking about Christmas and you think about that little manger, that little basket. The Lord gave me a little, a little quote for you. I want you to write it down. That manger, that basket overcame the casket. Somebody get excited. That basket overcame the casket. And if Jesus the Savior didn't come in that little basket, we would still be destined to die and disappear in that casket. But because the Savior came, because he was laid in the manger, because he came in that basket, praise God, you have victory over the casket. The only piece that is put in this box is just your earth suit. See, your spirit, soul, and body, and your spirit will go on forever. That human body, that human part of you, that'll go into the ground and it'll turn to dust. But one day when the Lord returns, you'll get a resurrected body that'll never die again, never be sick, amen. And that's true for all of those that have gone before us that we love. Let me speak first to those of you in the room that have lost someone. Sometimes the holidays become a very, very difficult time, a very challenging time because there's a chair that's empty at the dinner table. There's someone missing at the family meal or at the time of opening presents. And we have a difficult time. Matter of fact, some people statistically will say that the holidays become one of the most depressed, you know, defeated, dark, kind of heavy, grieving times where some people are celebrating, other people have a very difficult time to celebrate during the holidays, which is one of the reasons I believe God wanted me to remind us all today of eternal life. That our loved one that has gone before us, if they had faith in Christ, they are more alive today than they were when you last saw them or when you knew them as a child growing up. Their senses are heightened. They can hear on a higher level. They can see on a higher level. Matter of fact, I've been reading some testimonies of people who've had near-death experiences recently and they've gone to 
see glimpses of heaven. And one of the things that I've seen repeatedly in some of these testimonies is the amount of colors that they're able to see that they couldn't even put into words because your human eyes can only see variations of three colors. But when you get to heaven, the spectrum is eternal because there's colors that your eyes can't perceive. Like a dog can only see black and white and the world looks black and white to him, to you. You're like, you can't see red, you can't see green, you can't see blue. But a dog's like, everything's black and white. If he could have your eyes, he'd be like, wow. Well, what if we could have the eyes of God? What if you could see colors beyond red, green, and blue and all those kinds of things and variations thereof? Music that your ear can barely comprehend because we only have a certain limited ability to comprehend, but in heaven it's limitless. You, what I'm saying is when your loved one crosses into eternity, they're living a fuller, better, bigger version of life. They're really alive for the first time. And I want us to remember that so that we don't grieve them. They're doing great. When my mom went to be with the Lord about five years ago, she closed her eyes one Sunday morning. She told my dad she'd get up in a few minutes to come watch us on television to see the church service. She closed her eyes to take a quick nap, but when she opened her eyes, she didn't get to see me. She got to see Jesus, which I think is a whole lot better. Although knowing my mom, she might've made a comment about it. You know, I thought I was gonna see my son because he's my boy and I was the only son, but I think Jesus was, was fine with that. But she got to see God and see heaven and see what she'd be living for. I wanna remind us today that even though it's the holidays and we may be missing them, they are doing very, very well. And that's important. That's what they were living for. We live for the finish line, amen? We live for that well done, good and faithful servant. We live unto eternity, not for this life alone. I have some friends of ours that lead a church, I think it's in Kentucky, and every year they have a blue Christmas ceremony, a blue Christmas where people who've lost loved ones that year or in previous years, they gather together. And I love this. They begin to celebrate the life of those that they're missing, that people are missing. See, sometimes I think we do the opposite. We go the opposite extreme. We don't talk about the person that's missing for fear of causing pain, for fear of hurting somebody or bringing up a sensitive topic. But do you understand that in sharing and remembering and in laughing and having some of the stories that come to mind, that's part of how we heal on this side. And so if we don't give space for that, the holidays will always become something that we dread because we only think about what we've lost. But what if we could flip that? And what if every holiday season we intentionally took time to remember those individuals that have gone on before us, to talk about life lessons they shared with us, to remember some fun, funny stories or things like that. Sometimes in funerals, I'm working with families and I encourage them, please don't just share the sad parts, share the good parts in the funeral service because it's those joyful, good parts that bring so much healing to our hearts. It's always appropriate to share those stories, amen. Amen. Even if you're like, well, I don't want to be insensitive. It's not insensitive to say something good about someone that somebody loved. Isn't that good? For many Christians, it's too, the, the holidays become a time of grief and mourning. But I encourage you today to build one another up by sharing those stories. You know, the Bible tells us that a merry heart does good like a medicine. And it's important that we do laugh and we do remember and we let those encouraging memories heal those places in our hearts.
The scripture tells us in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus speaking, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. This is Jesus speaking. Your loved one had a faith in Christ. Your loved one believed in Jesus. And Jesus very clearly said that he's the resurrection and the life. And even though we may die physically, yet shall we live. There is life on the other side of death. Somebody say amen. John chapter 14, verse one through three. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus speaking again. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you will be also. You know, one of these, many of these testimonies that I've been reading recently, when someone transitions from this life to the next life, one of the things that's interesting to me is how much so many of the people didn't realize they had died. They would all of a sudden look back and they're like, who's that person on the bed? <laughs> who's that person in the hospital right now? And then all of a sudden they would be greeted by the Lord or they would be greeted by the Lord and his angels. And I just thought, and I know you gotta take some of those stories with a grain of salt, I get that, but we're talking about thousands of these testimonies, like some of the data on it is overwhelming. And so much of these testimonies are consistent and they're all consistent with scripture. So many of them are consistent with scripture. But it made me reconsider this in particular verse where he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come. I love that, this personal statement saying, Jesus saying, I myself, Jesus, will come and I'll receive you unto myself. And so many of these testimonies have had Jesus being right there on the other side, waiting to walk them into and welcome them into eternity. Just made me not just hopefully think that when my mom closed her eyes and opened them, oh, she saw Jesus, that's not just a church thing. I think there's a scriptural promise here that Jesus welcomed her into her eternity. That's powerful. Mourning is not wrong. Grieving is not wrong. It's healthy. If you let it bring you to a place of comfort, it's healthy. If we stay mourning and grieving too long, it will become destructive. And so I encourage you today to let yourself imagine your loved one, they're still alive, to let yourself celebrate and talk. And even in these holidays, to make it a part of the culture of the holidays, not to just ignore those emotions, but to overcome those emotions with good things. The Bible says, don't be overcome by evil. You overcome evil by doing good. And so when you feel like, I don't know if I wanna share because I'm grieving or I'm mourning, lean into that and share. Because in sharing and remembering and discussing and celebrating, healing and health comes. Do not stay stuck in grieving and mourning. Yes, there's a place for it. But don't let the devil take every year from this point on because you're stuck in that grieving and mourning. Let God bring you to a place of comfort. Amen? Amen. See, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. In 1 Thessalonians, the Bible tells us, chapter 4, 13 through 18, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died. See, the truth is 100% of us, unless the Lord return in our lifetime, will have a casket moment. 
none of us are getting out of this life alive. <laughs> Other than the rapture of the church. So the Bible is facing into these things, not ignoring it, not pretending like it doesn't exist, but rather saying, look, Christ has given us answers and Christ has given us hope. And not only is he preaching us a message of hope, he went first and demonstrated that hope. Amen. This isn't just theology. This is a testimonial of someone who went through death and came out in life on the other side, never to die again. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Doesn't say not to grieve, but do not grieve like people who have no hope. Make sure you have the hope on the other side of that grieving process. Make sure you see the other side. Amen. Make sure you see into the eternity because he's the savior unto eternal life. He's the savior, not just from sin, not just over Satan, but he's the savior into eternal life, into the kingdom of God. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also that believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. See, they're still alive. And when the Lord returns, he's bringing our family with him. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? We believe this, amen. We tell you this directly from the Lord. This isn't the apostles saying, we made this up. We hope this is true. They said that God told them to tell you this. Why? So you won't grieve like those who have no hope. So that you can grieve, but you can be hopeful to bring you through the grief. Amen. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord and I'll add our loved ones in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another with these words. You're meant to be encouraged by these things. Why? Because we will all face this door to death. And the, the Bible wants you to be encouraged and to encourage one another to keep saying these things. That even though they die, yet shall they live. They live. And when the Lord brings our loved ones with him in the clouds and that resurrected body that he gives them comes up out of the ground, they'll get their resurrected body and we will rise and we will be changed in a twinkling of an eye. Are you hearing me? Amen. Proverbs 17:22 says, a cheerful merry heart does good like medicine. A broken spirit saps and dries a person's strength. It is so important that we let ourselves remember and process, celebrate, laugh, and enjoy. My mom was one of the funniest people you ever would have met. She was the life of the party. She loved being the life of the party. And she loved to bless us with food. <laughs> and I love thinking about the good times and the good memories and the silly things that my mom would do. I want to remember my mom during this time. I don't wanna go through the holidays 
just grieving and mourning, saying, I miss her, I miss her, I miss her. I want my kids at the dinner table to remember stories about Nana. I want us to have conversations that we bring her up and we talk because it's healing to us and it's joyful and it's medicine to us. Too many of us try to avoid this topic by cutting it out of our lives as if it never happened. We never bring it up, we never wanna be reminded of it and we avoid it. That's not healthy. Are you hearing me, church? They're home with the Lord for the holidays. Let's celebrate that. And what are we teaching our kids and grandkids about death? If it's the worst possible thing that could happen to somebody. It's actually the finishing of the race. It's actually the receiving of the rewards. Are you hearing me, church? We are not meant to run from death because we're afraid of the other side. Paul wanted to live as long as possible because he had work to do. But then as soon as he was done with his work, it's time to get out of here, baby. This is the fallen life. This is the broken version of life. Are you hearing me, church? It's time to get into that reward. It's time to be with the Lord where our home is. It's time to get to the place where sorrow, death, destruction, none of it, none of it exists. Amen. And this is why Christmas is such a big deal. Again, this I know doesn't seem to fit in some of our mindsets of a Christmas service, but I think when we put this in perspective, we realize if it wasn't for this, then we really wouldn't have a whole lot to celebrate. We have a lot to celebrate because he saved us. He's our savior and he's our savior into eternity. Secondly, I wanna talk to those in the room that would be benefited by just being reminded that life is temporal, which would be all of us. I would mention a scripture to you. If you were in a funeral service, matter of fact, I'll stand behind the podium because this is how it would look, just like this. And I would bring up a gentleman by the name of Abel. Maria mentioned him this morning. We didn't talk about it. She mentioned Abel this morning in the book of Genesis. But Abel is also mentioned in the book of Hebrews. There's a verse in Hebrews that talks about Abel who was killed by his brother. But in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says in Hebrews 11:14, 14, Abel, though dead, still speaks. And there were lessons and things that Abel did in his faith that would teach us things and demonstrate things to us. But it makes me think of a conversation of what would our loved one say to us, if we were in their funeral service, what would our grandmother, what would our mother, what would our father, what would our best friend or coworker, when you go on to funerals of coworkers, what would they say to us? Though dead, they could still speak. If they could still speak to us in this moment at that funeral, what would our loved ones say to us as we gather at their funeral service? I believe they'd say three things. Please write these down. The first thing I think our loved one would say to us is it's real. It's real. Heaven is real. Eternity is real. Those streets of gold are real. That throne of grace is a real throne. It's real. That new Jerusalem and heavenly city, it's real. Those apostles are real. Jesus Christ is real. God is real. It's all real. I believe if our loved ones could say something to us, in those funeral moments, they would just wanna to shout to each and every one of the people they loved, it's real, eternity is real. 
The second thing I think they would tell us is, it's worth it. Living for Jesus was so worth it. Every time I said no to sin and to myself and to Satan, and I said yes to the ways of God, it was worth it. There was no sacrifice, come on, too great when I see and behold the other side and I see the reward on the other side. It was all worth it. The ridicule they received at the office for being a Christian. Everyone else was out going out doing things that weren't godly and they were being made fun of or they were being put on the outside because, oh, that's the Christian, the holy ones or whatever. The mocking they might've received or even the rejection. You know, you have people who give their lives to Jesus in different parts of the world where when they give their life to Jesus, their entire family rejects them and turns away from them. But you know what? When they stand in eternity, even that rejection was worth facing because they stand in eternity with Christ. It's worth it. Every price they paid, every sacrifice they made, every right choice to live for God and not live for self, it was all worth it. So number one, I think they would say it's real. Number two, I think they would say it's worth it. And number three, I think your loved one would say, don't miss it. Don't miss it. I want you here with me. I want you to have eternal life. I know that you're chasing other things. I know you're chasing great wealth. I know you're chasing love and relationships in all the wrong places. I know that you think the way you're going is the best for you, but only the way of Christ will get you here. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. We will all walk through this door of death unless the Lord returns in our lifetime. When I first started in ministry, I used to really get nervous and almost didn't want to do funerals because it's intimidating as a young pastor. Weddings are great, everybody's happy. But when you go to a funeral, so much pain, so much hurt, so much sadness. And I, I used to kind of see a funeral as a very difficult, challenging time. Now I actually have a tremendous love for these moments because so much good happens at a funeral, especially of a godly individual. They become times that are inspiring. I get inspired at so many funerals, especially when somebody's lived a life for God and their kids and their grandkids stand up and they declare the good memories and the life lessons and the character and integrity of their grandmother or their grandfather. And it just reminds me of a few things in my own life. One thing it reminds me of is that life has an expiration date. Please write that in your notes. You can avoid funerals all you want. I know sometimes we don't go to funerals because we don't want to be reminded. And today you came to church and I really believe you're here by appointment that God is reminding all of us. And it's not to scare you, it's to remind us to take every moment seriously, to live every day with purpose. Are you hearing me, church? If you think life goes on forever and ever, then you're gonna live a certain way. But if you realize that life is temporary and if you realize that every day is a gift, you're gonna live it differently. Life will not go on and on forever. Let me say it another way. Love people the way you should love them now. Don't wait two years to get it right. Don't let weeks and months go by and not pick up the phone. Don't let hurt and offense steal the years with your kids or with your parents 
or with people at work or best friends that you've fallen out with or even church members that you used to have a close relationship with but some offense because we're human beings and we're, we're, we have things that we deal with and we can offend one another and we can even go to church for years with an offense in our heart. It's not worth it. Life has an expiration date. Love how you should love now. You do not have time to waste or to delay. I heard recently somebody say, live your life the first time the way you would have lived it if you had a second time. <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you look back on your life and say, oh, if I could have done that time with my kids now, I would have done it differently. Or if I could have done that season of my life, knowing now what I know now, I would have done then differently. Do you remember that? Anybody ever been there before? Raise your hand if you would have done some things differently, having learned some things now, right? If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar, okay? <laughs> because we see things differently the second time, right? And I just love that thought. Live your life now the way you would live it if you were living it again, had a chance to do it over again. Like, you're not going to get a redo, right? This is it. This is it. So love the way you're supposed to love. Live the way you're supposed to live. Enjoy the time you're supposed to enjoy. That whole idea that life has an expiration date also makes us aware. Do you want to spend your whole life just at the office all the time? Just to make money? Or do you want to spend your life making memories with some of these kids and instilling memories in them with those kids and those grandkids? Maybe those date nights with your spouse don't become so inconvenient. Maybe those vacations become more important because life has an expiration date on it. And when you don't remember that, you just let years and years go by and you don't intentionally live. Are you hearing me, church? Enjoy the life you have now and live gratefully. See, these are things I remember to do when I realize life has an expiration date. Open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Actually, it's chapter 5. I apologize. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 16. Solomon said this. He says, in this, too, is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than they came. All their hard work was for nothing, like working for the wind. Throughout their lives, they lived under a cloud frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Does that feel like some of our work life? <laughs> you just live to work, live to make money, live to get on top, live to get ahead, live to be famous. They live under a cloud of frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their life under the sun during the short life God has given them to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This indeed is a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Isn't that powerful? May you be blessed with the ability to enjoy the work of your hand to enjoy your time with your family, to enjoy your food, to enjoy your fellowship, and to enjoy your life and what it's producing. And be so busy being grateful and enjoying your life, you're not sitting there looking back regretting it. 
Amen. A second thing I remember when I go to funerals is this. Lay up treasure in heaven. Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves here on earth treasures where moth eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Live for more than accumulating stuff and things. My mentor growing up used to say, only that which was done for Christ will last. Only that which was done for Christ will last. You know, everything you buy will turn to dust. Everything you build will turn to dust. But the way you use your treasure, your time, your talents, and your money, the way you used your time, the way you used your talents, and the way you used your treasure, your money, those things that are done for Christ will actually echo through eternity, will go on forever. Amen? It's true. It's not a preacher thing. This is a Bible thing. When you take your finance and you use it to preach the gospel, that finance stores up treasure in heaven. If you just let it buy you stuff, the stuff you buy will all perish and turn to dust. But the things you link to eternity will continue through into eternity. Are you hearing me? And the same thing with your talent. You can sing for a thousand people, millions of people, everybody loves you, but if you don't sing at all for God, I'm not saying, it's, I'm not saying your whole career has to be a, like a, a, a Christian artist or something, but if you don't use your talent in some capacity or way to point to eternity and to point to Jesus, then all those people, when you die, I mean, they may buy your albums, but it's it. When they die, it goes too. But if you sang unto the Lord, if you use your talent as a platform to preach the good news of the gospel, then those things will go on into eternity. If you're a business person and you know how to make great wealth, please make sure the wealth you're making is somehow connected to eternity, not just making more wealth. You intentionally connect it to eternal things and it will go on through eternity. Only that which is done for Christ will last. The last thing I remember at funerals is to live a life of godliness and character. So the first thing was life has an expiration date. The second, lay up treasure in heaven. Number three, live a life of godliness and character. The best funerals that I've ever done, not that you rate funerals, you're like, how can you say it was the best funeral? You know, that's a great funeral, man. It was awesome. But you know, there are times that I've walked out of a funeral and I have been so moved and so inspired. And it's always the funeral of the people that live lives of godliness and character. Hearing the, the things they taught their kids and grandkids to do to make the world a better place, to love God and love people. The memories they chose to carve out and they would go fishing with their grandsons and their granddaughters and things like that. The best funerals are the ones filled with stories about goodness, love, joy, commitment to a spouse, commitment to their children and grandchildren. What will your family and friends say about you when you're gone? I had this thought this week. Basically, we write our own eulogy. Because the people that stand up in your funeral, you're giving them the material they're gonna use. And if they have nothing to say, it's because we gave them nothing to say. 
Are you hearing me, church? You're actually creating your own eulogy by the actions and choices and character and ways we lived and the time we spent and the love we shared with them. Give your kids and grandkids and coworkers something good to share. Amen. The hardest funerals I've ever done are people who rejected God in their lives. Or those who held on to, and I'll even say Christians in this, who held on to bitterness. Who their life was filled with complaining and bitterness and being gossip and negative, And they didn't bring love and joy to people around them. They didn't live a life of generosity. They didn't live a life of kindness. They lived a life of divisiveness. And that's even Christians. But then especially those who just rejected God outright. And this casket is the end for them. They'll go on in spirit into eternal darkness. They'll go on into hell forever. That is a tragic and a very, very sad funeral. But for those who have Christ, even the negative cranky Christians, if they had faith in Christ, praise God, there's still hope for eternity by the skin of their teeth. Come on now. Praise God, he's the savior, not me. But let's be honest. But you know what? It really is the, the Christmas carol movie that we grew up with. It's the Ebenezer Scrooge story. Do you remember this? One of my favorite Christmas movies is The Muppets Christmas Carol. I love that. I just watched it last week. And you're like, oh, because you had all the kids around? No, I watched it by myself. They were like asleep or doing other things. I wanted to see Kermit. I wanted to see The Muppets Christmas Carol. It's brilliant. And I cry every time. I do. Maria looks at me and she knows it's coming. It's Tiny Tim, man. Tiny Tim gets me. This little, little frog. He's got this little baby crutch. And, oh. and then Tiny Tim's not there next year. And that chair is empty. I mean, come on. But it's the story of a Christmas carol. This is the same thing I'm preaching to you right now. What have you been doing in your life? Ebenezer Scrooge, making money. He rejected the love of his life when he was in, like a young man because he wanted to go make more money before he could get married and enjoy the love of that marriage that it would have given him. And how many times do we miss opportunities because we're not thinking about the things that make life really full, that make life life. And we get caught into building a name or just working or just... Just, just life, the bills, the stress, and all this stuff. And not giving, loving, helping other people. When he died, no one had anything good to say about him. And he had to see that. He had to be presented that in his life. That he hadn't given anyone something good to say about him. And that's what I'm talking about in this conversation. Live a life of godliness. Live a life of character. Live a life loving people, serving, giving, being helpful, being generous, being kind. There's not enough kindness in the earth. There's a ton of criticism. If you think your spiritual gift is criticism, please get a different spiritual gift. <laughs> Be helpful. Be kind. No one needs more critics. We need helpers. People need people to help. Not just point out a finger, but to offer a hand. Somebody write a t-shirt about that and hallelujah. You may be asking, and if I was at the funeral right now, I would again be standing behind this little podium 
with the casket here and I'd be looking at you, the friends and families, and I would say this, you may be asking, what do I do to, what do, I do to have eternal life? How can I begin living a life that it will be missed, celebrated or remembered? And I would point you to 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. Whoever has the son, talking about Jesus, has life. It's a simple equation. If you have the son of God, if you have Jesus, you have life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Simple math. You add the son, you get eternal life. You subtract the son, there's no eternal life. In conclusion, the Bible says, I've written this to you so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to be sure. He wants you to be certain that you have eternal life. So you ask, how? How can I be sure? How can I be certain? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's it. So every Sunday we give an opportunity for people to confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead so that you can have certainty that you have eternal life. You'll be saved. Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All of us have this wonderful gift from the Savior. This gift is being offered to each one. It doesn't say those who've sinned a little, get this gift, but those who've sinned a lot, they disqualify. Every single one of us have the opportunity. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the only thing stopping is just you calling. If you don't call, you don't receive it. If you call, you'll receive it. The only thing stopping you is you. It's not the devil stopping you. It's not God stopping you. It's just us. If you will call on the name of the Lord, he will save you. If you decide to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and call upon him today, you are promised eternal life. It's a promise. 1 John chapter 2, verse 25. This is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. And then finally, I would say, after receiving his forgiveness and promise of eternal life, allow him to lead and guide you. Guide your actions. Guide how you live. Guide your life, guide your character, your purpose, your legacy. So call on him and follow him. That's it. Why don't we stand and close in a word of prayer. Did you get anything out of that today, church? Go ahead and give God praise for that, would you? Amen. Go ahead and stand. So let me give you that opportunity today. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes for the next few minutes. How do I do this? Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages and penalty of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna ask you a question. Have you ever given your heart to Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? If you say, Pastor Kevin, I don't remember a time in my life that I've ever asked Jesus Christ to be my God and my Savior. Well, let's do that today. We'll pray a prayer right at your seat. Or you may say, you know, I used to have a walk with God, but I've really grown cold. I've walked away and I would like to have a restart, a recommitment. And if that's you, then we'll pray for you too. And let's be sure, be sure of eternal life. 
Let's receive Christ as our savior, our savior from sin, our savior from the devil, but our savior into the kingdom, our savior into eternal life. And so today, if you need to get right with God for any reason or another, I'm simply gonna count to three. And when I say three, and you wanna get right with God, just raise your hand right where you are and we will pray a simple prayer and we'll help you call on the name of the Lord. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, just place your hand up in the air and we'll pray for you today. There's a hand in the back there. Anybody else today? I need to get right with God. Two, there's a hand there. Anybody else today? Just put it up. Three, thank you. Okay, thank you. Three, four, awesome. Anybody else? Pray for me, pastor. I need to get right. <laughs> Five, six, wonderful. Thank you, praise God. Awesome. All right, church, let's all pray together, would you? So no one's praying by themselves. Let's repeat this prayer together. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Be my God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those six or more? Hallelujah. Welcome to the family. Welcome. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.